Now James into the lane. Nice pass again. And it's Davis this time. James with the hard drive. It counts. The Laker onslaught continues. Chemistry is already on point. Rondo with the lead. And Davis on the reverse stuff. It's that time once again. It's time to talk hoops with Logan the Duke on Logan in the Low Post podcast. Believe it or not, the NBA preseason is on. Lakers and Warriors were in action last night on TNT. Thanks to Marv Albert there. A couple of his calls, Anthony Davis and LeBron James certainly looked comfortable in their first game together. First unofficial game, of course. The preseason we'll take it with a grain of salt. Lakers defeat the Warriors 123 to 101 in last night's matchup. And tonight on the podcast, I have two Heath boys, Heath, Ohio, that is, a suburb of Columbus. I imagine these two boys will go at each other and argue all of the sports topics. It's Ryan Biller and Dylan Gimmel in Studio 106 with me from Athens, Ohio. It's a gloomy day. It's a rainy day, but we're ready to talk some hoops, guys. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going, guys? It's nice to be here. Gimmel, good to see you. Ryan, good to have you on. Boys, I want to start right there at the preseason game, Lakers and Warriors. It's the battle of the duos, I guess you could say. LeBron and Davis versus Steph Curry, D'Angelo Russell. Steph and D'Lo didn't look as comfortable together, especially Russell. Really struggled shooting from the field. But LeBron and Anthony Davis, like a match made in heaven. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys know me, I'm one of D'Angelo Russell's biggest supporters, but he did look a little uncomfortable in his new setting. Time will be the uh, true test of how that relationship works between D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry. But I think, I think it will work for a long time. Uh, I almost think the beginning, like preseason struggle, is to be expected. You yeah. know, uh, obviously it's a brand new system that he's going into, and he doesn't really know much about it yet. But obviously, it's still the Golden State Warriors. They're still going to find a way to make it work in the end of the day. I think Steve Kerr is going to find a way to make all these pieces work as he always does. Um, Reggie Miller, uh, I like the he brought up a lot of good points about this Warriors team. He said that in the preseason, you're going to see a lot of teams their defensive schemes might be all there. But about getting your legs underneath you, the offensive game is where it's going to really, where teams still have to learn and figure out who they are. But a thing that happened last night, and it was interesting, it was the first time we all really got to see it, a coach's challenge in basketball. Guys, I want to get your thoughts on a coach's challenge. Coach's challenges, I don't know, especially basketball, I, I haven't just uh, determined how I feel about that. I feel like it's an interesting concept, but... A lot of replay in basketball has slowed down the game over the last few years, and I feel like it's just an unnecessary uh, complication for right now. But I, I certainly understand why they implemented that. It's something that can help out when times that are just needed, I guess. Well, I mean, I guess when you look at the NBA, a lot of people have a lot of problems with the NBA officials. A lot of people think that it's fixed, that they're gambling on their games and things like that. So. I think when you implement a system like this, it has to be right, though. I know the MLB implemented this system a couple of years back, and every time they reviewed a play, they still got the wrong call you know, on the field. But, Gimel, what are your thoughts on a replay system, especially for a game like the NBA where it's so fast-paced like it is? Uh, well, uh, like Ryan said, I feel like it is inevitable, inevitable in the fact that it's going to slow the game down even more for replays and stuff. But I do see why um, they would think it would be necessary at this point because there has been so many further controversies between referees and the NFL and the NBA yeah. and all that. So I think I think I see the ups and the downside of it. But 
We'll see how it pans out this season. Now, you guys do seem like you're pretty natural at talking on a podcast. Do you guys want to plug your podcast on, on right here? <laughs> you guys want to, I mean, it's been a while since it's made an appearance. Yeah, so uh, Dylan and I are part of a four-man crew. Uh, we have our own podcast called The Hoodie Cast. It's, the uh, Hoodie Cast. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, with our two other friends that live back home in Heath, um, we're currently uh, – Shutting it down for a little bit, but uh, time time will tell when uh, the next episode. You gotta out. focus on school, right? That's right. That's what I should be doing right yeah. now. Actually, yeah, I really little, should be. A little bit of technology complications, otherwise we might still be going. But you know. it, and I know all about that. I mean, the first couple of years I tried this podcast on SoundCloud. Uh, I you know a college student has a certain amount of money, and yep. when you have to pay a certain amount of money a month to get a podcast out there, it's not easy, especially when you're working with a system like a Snowball mic and your computer in what you call as a studio. I, I say I'm on Studio 106. That's just the number of our apartment that yeah. <laughs> me and Gimel right, live in. For sure. We're working with very basic technology here. I could work with more, but you know it's hard to always reserve the podcast room up at Schoonover Center here on the campus of Ohio University, and um, you know we're working with what we got. But you know the podcast is a great way to get your voice out there and uh, get your thoughts out there. I've enjoyed you guys' podcast. I've listened to you guys' thoughts, and you guys can definitely check them out. The Hoodie Cast on SoundCloud. Definitely send them your thoughts and what you want them to talk about. They'll be happy to discuss. Over what thirty minutes to an hour, roughly, yeah. roughly. Yeah, take, yeah. Very, Very good stuff. I appreciate that, Louis. Absolutely. Yes. But now we jump back into the NBA. Nope. I looked at some teams and their win projections. I mean, those are always fun to predict at the beginning of the season because usually by the end of the season you're way off. You're you're way wrong. And I know all about that. I would I struggled trying to come up with my eight teams that'll make the East, eight teams that'll make the West in the first couple of years of this podcast. And but when we look at the win projections, I looked at three different betting websites as I naturally would. And I'm coming out with 10 teams. We have roughly three weeks of the NBA season, so I figured three podcasts. That's all 30 teams. We do 10 a podcast. So we're going to go 10 here. We've got Bucks, Jazz, Warriors, Pacers, Blazers, Heat, Mavericks, Kings, Pelicans, and Dylan Gimmel's favorite team, the Detroit Pistons. But let's start with Milwaukee, number one seed in the Eastern Conference last season, led by the MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. We'll see if he can have a similar dominant season that he did last year. The current projection is 58. Biller, we'll start with you. I uh, actually like the over on this one. I think, and not by much. I think so. Last year they came out with about 60 wins, and I think that's a fair, uh, fair do-over once again for the 2019-2020 season, especially with Kawhi Leonard no longer being in the Eastern Conference. I think the biggest questions remain: where do, where does the growth come from? Giannis Antetokounmpo's offensive game can you continue to develop a jump shot? Um, does Chris Middleton continue to show that he's an all-star? And will they miss Malcolm Brogdon? But I, for right now, I do believe that the over is a safe bet. Dylan? Um, I also like the over with the Bucks, just strictly because I feel like the competition in the East has went down. But it's a good I, point. Yeah, I guess we'll see in the future, but I'm going to go with the over for now. I'm going under, boys. I'm going under. Y- you know, it's... I've seen a lot of one-hit wonders, and I'm not going to call the Milwaukee Bucks a one-hit wonder. They're going to be a fantastic teams for years to come. But what I'm saying is sometimes they have that magical season, and the next season they're kind of subpar. They come out with what we'd call a sophomore slump, I guess, in a lot of ways. Mm. I'm taking the Bucks at 57 wins, just under that 58 okay. mark. Um, I think Giannis is going to have another dominant season. I think he's going to work on his game, especially since we saw the flaws in his game against Toronto when he really couldn't shoot a jump shot. I expect him to be fantastic, but I don't know if they have a true number two. Chris Middleton sort of disappeared at times in the playoffs. He really did. And throughout the regular season, he could disappear from game to game occasionally. I like Chris Middleton. I think he's a great third option. 
He could be a good second option. I mean, we'll see how he develops. But I think the biggest loss is Malcolm Brogdon. And yeah, you get a return in Wesley Matthews, this really solid 3 and D player for years to come here in this league. But Brogdon was that 50-40-90 guy. Uh, he did everything for you defensively. Obviously, the rookie of the year back, what was that, 2017 was the rookie of the year? Yeah. Um, but I just like, I think his presence is going to be missed on that court way more than people expect it to. But, like I said, they got to return to Wesley Matthews. So I'm going under on the 58 wins for the Milwaukee Bucks. The Utah Jazz are a very compelling team. We have always enjoyed watching Utah basketball. They grind out every game. They don't really ever have like a true star, but they make it work every year. Now they have quite a few stars. Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. You could say Boyan Bogdanovich stepped in. They got 54.5 wins is the current average for wins people think that Utah is going to bring together this season. Is 54.5 too high, too low, over, under? Let's start with Dylan Gimmel this time. Um, I don't know. I like. I kind of like an over for this. Once again, I feel like that with all other players being healthy this year, hopefully, that they'll be able to make a run and that I feel like they'll just gain confidence getting to play with like new players. And it's not like Utah is a very easy place to play either. No. Playing opponents struggle yes. in Utah. Uh, so, yeah, I like the over. Like the, the over. Job. Bill, are we agreeing with Gimmel on this? Yeah, I'm right there with you. In a summer, I feel like we said... You guys have agreed on a lot so far, and this really surprises me, because I thought you guys were going to go back and forth and butt some heads. Yeah. So, in like a summer, I feel like we say this every year, but in a summer of madness and things you just can never expect, free agency and crazy trades that come out of nowhere, I feel like the Jazz... Some people have are pretty high on the Jazz, but I feel like some people are underestimating the Jazz and what they can really be this year. I really like what they do with Mike Conley, the addition there, and Boyan Bogdanovich should be a true uh, uh, wing for them to develop along with uh, Donovan Mitchell. So I, I do like the over on this one as well. Utah Jazz at 54.5. This is tough for me because I think that 54 number is fairly accurate. I don't know about if they get much more wins or much less That's wins fair. than that. Um, the issue I have is it's sort of a new team. You do have Quinn Snyder at the helm who has led this team to success in every year that he's been there as the head coach, but I think they're going to start out struggling. They did that last year, too. I think they started their season something like 10-13, and 13, and they got it together. I think that's kind of been the mantra they've had the last couple of seasons. So I'm uh, I'm going to go right there at 54 wins. Sorry for that message to come in. You know, I had a message come in last podcast uh, last week, and uh, just still trying to learn the system a little bit. Utah Jazz, though, at 54 wins, I think is pretty accurate. Like, like you guys said, like the additions, how good is their bench? That kind of remains to be seen. But as far as starting out the season, I think they start out something like 12 and 10, yep. and they just kind of run out of enough games to build up enough wins to get over 54, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. So I think right at 54 is fairly accurate for the Utah Jazz, but that's, it's going to be a, a darn good basketball team that a lot of teams should start fearing Absolutely. if they're coming into your place to play. This one looks funny. The Golden State Warriors at 48 and a half wins. That just looks strange, yeah, especially with <laughs> especially with... Five straight years of Golden State dominance. Now they're projected to win 48 games. Biller. Yeah, after coming off a 57-win season last year, it feels strange to have an almost nine-game drop-off. But when you look at the losses of Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson being out at least until the All-Star break, according to Bob Myers, uh, there's a change-up of D'Angelo Russell we hit on earlier. The entire bench seems a little different this year. Uh, I don't know. I feel like 48-and-a-half is a pretty fair estimate, a fair betting line for them. I would probably say they hit 49, 
49. But, but I, so I'll, I'll go the over on here, but not by very much for me. Okay. Uh, well, here's where I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to go under. Okay. Going under. I'm going under. Uh, it, might, it may seem strange to you guys because, you know, Warriors are the Warriors. Yep. Uh, with the loss of Clay Thompson for most of the season and obviously the loss of Kevin Durant, I just feel like it's going to be hard for them to, like, find their footing because they're ha- going to have to develop sort of a new identity with the new team they have. And I just feel like if they do, which I believe they will, I just feel like it'll be like mid-season or a little bit later in the season to where it'll be obviously not too late for them to make some noise because they're still going to make some noise. But I just believe uh, for the over-under sake, I feel like they're just going to be a tad under 48.5 wins this year. Now, Gil, you're a football guy. You're a football guy. You definitely know that sport. Yes. Have you considered starting the Dylan Downlow podcast for basketball? The Dylan Downlow podcast. I'm telling you. I'm telling I, you, there's something there. <laughs> I, I'm still not. I don't know much about basketball still, but I try. I try. There we go. Yeah. I mean, you definitely know your Detroit Pistons. We'll get into that talk as we get down this list. Um, Biller, we got to go to you, right? Did we go to you for Golden State yet? Yeah, we talked. We did. Yeah. We certainly did. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's funny. All right, we're just gonna act like that didn't happen and move on down <laughs> to the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers at 47 and a half wins. They'll be without Victor Oladipo likely for the first month, maybe two of the season. They're talking. But you add T.J. Warren, you add Malcolm Brogdon. This is a team that made the playoffs last year because of Boyan Bogdanovich, who now, like we talked about, is shipped off to Utah. But this is a team in the East that constantly is dangerous every single year, but is always kind of that one player away. Is that 47.5 a good number? I feel like I'm just riding the overtrain here. (laughs) They hit 48 last year, and getting Victor Oladipo back, especially down the stretch, no matter when he comes back this season, is going to be incredible for him. Losing Bogdanovich is disappointing, but at, like we, like you mentioned, adding um, Brogdon. And T.J. Warren, you can really Warren. score the ball. Even Jeremy Lamb, too. Jeremy Lamb had a career yeah, season with I, Charlotte. I, I think this is the true test and to, uh, the time for uh, Miles Turner to show if he's an all-star caliber player. Is he going to take that next Absolutely. step? That's the real question. I like Demonis Sabonis off the bench. I feel like this team, especially with the, as we mentioned earlier, the disappearance of Kawhi Leonard from the Eastern Conference, I think this chance this team has a chance to hit 50 wins this year. You know, I think I'm just realizing, I thought you didn't talk about the Warriors. It was actually me ah. that didn't talk about the Warriors. I'll, I'll just quickly say, I'm going to go over for the Warriors. I think they get 50 dubs on the season for Dub Nation. But back to the Pacers, Gimmel. Um... I'm going to also go with the over for the Pacers. Um, I just feel like due to the fact that they had 48, was it 48 wins last yep. year? Mm-hmm. And I just don't see how you would think they would have gotten worse. Plus, they're going to have Oladipo at some point, yep. And that'll just make them that much better. And I believe that with Oladipo back on the team, that'll push them over to the, you know, maybe to the elite talk of the East, maybe. Yep. I agree with that. So I'm going with the over for the Pacers. I'm going to kind of say something that I know I'm going to regret when we come to playoff time. I think the Indiana Pacers are going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. There's always like that one year where some some team that's always been on the brink of kind of dominating the conference all of a sudden comes along. You can talk about the Atlanta Hawks before their 2015 season. You can talk about the Denver Nuggets as recently. You know, everyone thought that eventually they make the playoffs, and they sure didn't actually got the second seed. I wouldn't be surprised... If Indiana in this Eastern Conference that is dominated by Philly, it is dominated by Milwaukee, Pacers could be right there at that three or four seed. 
I'll go, that, ahead, I'll go ahead and say it. I think they're better than the Boston Celtics. Better than the Boston Celtics. And, I mean, the Boston... Uh, I would agree with that, Gimble's actually. agreeing as well. We're all agreeing. You know, it makes for a really boring podcast, I guys, know. when we all agree on stuff. We'll get there. We'll, 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 we'll argue, I'm sure, when the Pistons come around here. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> but I think the Indiana Pacers could literally win 53 to 55 ball games this year. I really, truly believe that. How good is Victor Oladipo going to be back, or good when he gets back? They lost Darren Collison to a really surprising retirement. I did not see that one coming. But I think they added the right pieces in this team, led by a good coach in Nate McMillan. Uh, I think the sky is the limit. I mean, realistically, we'll come back to this, and they'll be at love 44 wins and be the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. But I'm going to roll with a 53-win season, so I'm taking the over by six games for the Indiana Pacers. Portland Trailblazers, 46-and-a-half. They'll be without Yusuf Nurkic for a couple of weeks, or uh, what is it, a couple of months? I don't actually know the extent of his injury, but they brought in Hassan Whiteside to fill that service and that need for now. I think they are still that one move from being elite. I think they could make that move, and I'll mention it after we go to you guys first. Dylan, do you have any thoughts on the Portland Trailblazers winning 46 and a half games this season? Um, I see. I, this is the one where I'm kind of right on the edge of because, one, injuries, um, but also you got to remember they have Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and I really like who they drafted. They drafted Nasir Little. That's who I wanted the Pistons to take, to take actually. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we'll get into that later. But, I don't know. I'm right on the edge with the Blazers this year. I feel like they could very well be over or, or under. But for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to say they just get over that around 47 wins, something like that. Ryan? Uh, yeah, Dylan, Dylan hit it right there. They had 53 wins last season, but Nurkic being out and the competitive West becoming even more competitive. I'm going to go ahead and say that they're under and not by a lot, but and it's not necessarily that I think that Damian Lillard has a bad year or CJ McCollum doesn't show up. I, I just think there's too many good West teams, and I think they get caught in the middle. They're still a playoff caliber team in my opinion, but I think they're around 44 wins this year, maybe just over 500. So I, I just I feel like they lost too much in the offseason and, and not having Nurkic at the beginning of the season. Yeah. The, the depth becomes an issue. We're talking about a team that made the Western Conference Finals last season, got swept by the Warriors, but, I mean, you look at that series, they had two double-digit lead games, you know, where they could have really taken a couple of wins and kind of scared the Warriors a little bit. 46-and-a-half, the reason I find this interesting is because if they make the move that I'm thinking of, they could be well over that number. If they keep the team how it is, they could be right that number or even under. The move I'm talking about involves the Cleveland Cavaliers. I have heard it rumored. It also makes sense for both teams. Essentially, the Blazers trade newly acquired Hassan Whiteside and say a first-round pick. Remember, Hassan Whiteside's deal is expiring to the Cavaliers for Kevin Love. So now you're talking about a team that is Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. You can plug in Rodney Hood if you want the three. Kevin Love and Yusuf Nurkic when he's healthy. Uh, of course, it works for the Cavs. You get a young draft pick. Uh, maybe you get another young player out of that. You maybe squeeze something else out of them. And then you get a Son Whiteside who will just be expiring and off your books by the end of the season. So I think if they could bring in a guy like Kevin Love and be that extra player, I think 50 wins is not out of the question. Yeah, Kevin Love, I mean, this is a forgotten piece. Kevin Love is from Portland. So, he is. Yeah, that's so true. I feel like that. I've, I've thought about that before. I feel like that's a great fit. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like that might be too low of a price to get Kevin Love. But is it, though? Is it? Because I, I, I don't know. Kevin Love, 
I love the man. Love the yeah. man. Him on the court, it just seems like he's not really taking advantage of the role that he has currently in Cleveland. I think giving him that third option role again could suit him really nicely in Portland. Um, a guy that can get you rebounds and shoot the ball, that's really all, is really something that uh, the Blazers could really use. So um, if they make a move like that, I think 50 wins could certainly be in their future for this season. Look at the Miami Heat, a team that many think could be really good or really bad, depending if they get another player to help out Jimmy Butler. But they have an average of 44.5 wins to the research that I've done. Jimmy Butler and the Heat at 44.5. Dylan, your thoughts? Um, well, first off, I would just like to say I've never liked the Miami Heat, so it might be a little biased. That's true. But, but I'm going under for Miami. I just don't see how, with what they have on their team, even with adding Jimmy Butler, I just don't see how they'd be able to like develop and get better throughout the season. I feel like they're one player away from being able to make some noise maybe in the East, but I just feel like with... I mean, you have, what, Jimmy Butler, Bam Abadabayo, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Justice Winslow. Mm. Kelly, I don't like Kelly Olenek. I don't think he's good. <laughs> he's no. not exactly liked in the he's NBA sphere. <laughs> they still have Goran Dragic, right? Uh, uh, they do. Yes, they do. They do. They do. But I just don't see them getting 44. Was it 44 wins? 44 and a half yeah. wins. I just don't see this year. But they very. I think it's close, but I just don't think they quite get there this year. I would be surprised, though, if they go out and make a move somehow acquiring Chris Paul. Mm. I could seriously see that being a likely thing, and I don't know how much better Chris Paul actually makes them, but he's a leader. He's a guy that obviously is still probably a top 15, top 10. I don't know. I don't want to suspect the man. I mean, I love Chris Paul. He's been one of my favorite players since I was a kid, but uh, I think a top 10 point guard, you add that to Jimmy Butler and two guys that are just competitive as all hell. I mean, you put those two together, that could really make something interesting for them. But Ryan, uh, your thoughts? I mean, they also brought in Tyler Hero, a rookie that a lot of people like. Yeah, I think Tyler Hero will be a key factor for him. I think that's going to be one of their most important factors, whether they're good or not. Jimmy Butler becoming part of the new uh, culture fit there. We'll see how that works out. He hasn't exactly worked out in the last few places he's been. Uh, 44.5 seems high for me. I think they're – I don't know. I've never been that high on Jimmy Butler, to be honest with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're a seven or eight seed caliber team. Yeah, okay. uh, I think forty wins is realistic, but forty four and a half or even forty five, not not in my opinion. I will go under at forty one wins. I think five hundred is about as good as it's going to get for Miami unless they do make a move. The Dallas Mavericks are also projected to be five hundred forty one and a half wins. They added Kristaps Porzingis last season due to the trade. He hasn't played a game for Dallas yet due to his injury, but I got Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis together. Uh, an electric offense, maybe not the best on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Porzingis can certainly offer that at times. Uh, Dallas Mavericks one of my favorite teams in the NBA. I don't know if it's because Mavs Ryan's with Cavs or something like that, but I, I love Luka Doncic. I, I've said that over and over. In fact, I've definitely annoyed my roommate Dylan Gimmel with talk about Luka Doncic. Anytime, anytime that Gimmel and I get together to do a NBA rebuild on 2K, I'm like, dude, let's trade for Luka Doncic. <laughs> that'll that'll solve That's all of funny. our problems. Every time. Every single time we get the Pistons, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give Reggie Jackson three first-round picks and some other dude, and we're going to get Luka Doncic. Of course it's unrealistic, but I love it because the Pistons are fantastic after we do get Luka. But 41.5 wins, Kimmel and Biller, your guys' thoughts on that for Dallas? So for Dallas, they came out with 33 wins last year, 
and they're going underachieved to be, in a lot of ways. I think the season, as uh, Logan just hit on here, rides on Chris Tapps Porzingis and what he does. Um, Forty-one and a half seems high for me. I think this is a high thirty wins team, and I think that the logjam of good teams in the West just complicates their season, and uh, they don't have to worry about carrying along Dirk Nowitzki and putting him on the court, and forcing <laughs> him to run back and forth, but. I just, I just, forty-one and a half seems high for me with the Dallas Mavericks. I have a funny story about Dirk Nowitzki. Actually, I went to a game Mavericks versus Magic when I was in Orlando for the Disney College program, and they were signing autographs. And Dirk's taking my paper to sign. I was like, Dirk, why are you retiring? Of course, I'm kidding. I know why the guy's retiring. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Did you see me run out there? That's awesome. <laughs> he's like, I can't even stand up. That's awesome. So, I mean, Dirk Nowitzki's quite the character. But Gimmel, forty-one and a half wins over under. Um. As much as I like the Mavericks, I do like them as a team. I, I mean, what, even with Luca, you know, Seth Curry, you know, that's true. a nice addition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Porzingis. I mean, I just don't see how they are going to be able to compete with some of the competition. Boban, dude, Boban Marjanovic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. cool they have Boban. Everyone loves Boban, but <laughs> I just don't see how they're going to be. I don't think they did enough in the off season to be able to go to the next level. Um, I just don't see them winning 41 games. I see them a high 30 win team, like Ryan said. Mm. Yeah, I'm going under for them. I'm going to go under as well. I think they get exactly 40 wins. 40 and 42 seems like a realistic um, record for the Dallas Mavericks. Sacramento Kings, really, really intriguing team. They were fun to watch last year, and they're young. You know, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, and Buddy Heald, three young players. That is their core for years to come. I think this could be a really good team in the West in a couple of years. They're projected to win 38 and a half. Let's go to Ryan first. I'd absolutely smash the over on the Kings right now. Over? It, absolutely. 30 win, 39 wins last season, 38 and a half. Uh, they got a couple guys in free agency. Seemed a little random spending. They always have. Harrison Barnes. Yeah, they added uh, like Corey Joseph. And yeah. They added okay. a couple like. It just didn't seem like there was an identity to oh, what they were doing. Didn't they get Dwayne Deadman as Dwayne well? Dwayne Deadman. Yeah. They got Luke Walton as their new head coach, and they always have turmoil in the front office, and management's not always the greatest, all the way from starting at ownership all the way down. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Luke Walton case. I, I think it's coming to a close, luckily. But I think Bagley takes a huge turn this year if he stays healthy. I, I like how they, the makeup of their team, a lot of their younger players, especially Buddy Heal. Mm-hmm. So I, if I was a betting man, which I am, I would, <laughs> oh, we I'd, know. I'd smash the over on this one. He's going over on 38.5. Gimler, are you going to join him? I am going to join him because I like how young this team is. I like their potential. I really like Buddy Heald, Darren Fox, Deadman. You know, all of them are very quality young players, and I feel like they're only going to go up from there. And the only thing, the only re- way I can see them not getting to this many wins is obviously a really competitive uh Western, Western Conference, Conference right? yeah. But I like the over on this one just strictly because of how young they are, and I think they have a lot of potential to grow very quickly. Uh, I'm going to go – oof. I don't, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I also see them winning more than 38 games. The yeah. issue is I don't know what's a realistic – Number for an eighth seed in the Western Conference uh, for wins to have. That's I mean, fair. is it forty-five yeah. or is it more like forty-two? Because if it's forty-two, then I'll take the over for the Kings. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't feel like they make the playoffs, but I do feel like they're someone that's going to play spoiler down the second half of a lot of teams' schedules that come in there and play hard every single night, and then 
scrap out a few wins against the Lakers or yep. the Warriors or something that you just unexpected. I'll go over, but they missed the playoffs. That's probably the safest way to go for now. Finally, we go to the New Orleans Pelicans before we get to our main event of the Detroit Pistons. Oh the gosh. Pelicans also projected to have 38.5 wins. I'm going to start first this right. time. I don't think they're getting close to 38 wins. Really? This sounds strange, and I know. But they made some really good additions. I, I've always liked Lonzo Ball. I don't like Brandon Ingram. I, I, I mean, okay. Wow, I sound really mean when I no, say no, that. I understand. I just don't, I don't think he's going to work. I think Ingram, Ball... And Josh Hart, all three of them are just mismatches. I don't think they work well together. It didn't work in L.A. I don't see how it's going to work in New Orleans. Love Zion Williamson. Everyone does. The dude's going to be a fantastic player in the NBA. But are we putting too much stock into Zion? And is that why we're giving 38 wins to the Pelicans? I think 34 to 35 is more where I would look at, especially with the injury concerns you have. I mean, they added Derek Favors. They added J.J. Redick. Does he fit in this? I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of solid players that they added. The question is, do they all fit together? That remains to be seen. There's a lot of variables to work with. Talk about, I mean, this team came away 32 wins last year, a lot of AD turmoil, but you can just throw that number out the window. This team is nothing like it was last year. Completely different makeover. New uh, management staff, David Griffin leading the charge. David. Yeah. uh, I'll I'll give you that, Logan. I think think 38.5 is too high. I think maybe 36, 37 is more likely. But I think they're a year or two away. Lonzo Ball is going to, if he stays healthy, I think he has a chance to shine. His shot looks different. It does. Have you been looking at those videos? I'm a little more high on Brandon Ingram than maybe you are and some people I know. But I I don't know. We'll see what he does this season. But I think they're a year or two away from being a a real contender in the West. All right, Dimmel, we go to you now. Uh, the Pelicans are a very interesting team in the fact that they're just nothing like they were last year, like not even remotely. But I feel like, like you guys said, it's going to be hard for all of these new players just being thrown on one team to be able to like play cohesive in the beginning of the season, I feel like. But, I mean, they do have a lot of nice pieces. I mean, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram. As much as I don't like J.J. Redick, J.J. Redick is pretty good. <laughs> Um, he's had too many moments where he's burned the Pistons as a member yeah, of the Sixers. Yeah, so just, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like the team. I just feel like they are a year or two out of being able to make any sort of noise, especially with how talented that division is. That's noted. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I just I don't see the Pelicans. I think they're going to be one of those teams that's fun to watch. They're competitive every single game, but they get eked out at the end because they're just young. Yeah. And sometimes experience wins those closer ball games, and I think that's what's going to happen with New Orleans I feel this like season. It's going to be a very undisciplined team for the first few games. Yeah. Okay. I like that word. Maybe they're undisciplined. Main event time. <laughs> the Detroit Pistons made the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference last season. Were swept by the Bucks. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. But thirty-eight <laughs> wins for a team that, in my mind, and in Dylan's mind, I. Th- think in Ryan's mind, we're going to find out soon, got better this offseason. Biller, we'll start with you. We're going to save Gimmel for last. I would smash the over on this one. and I, I wouldn't necessarily... I'm not going to... No offense, Gimmel, but I don't think this team is a top three team in the East by any given me, a measure. But to say that the Pistons are going to lose three wins in a, in a conference that is up for grabs in a lot of sense, and it got a little bit better in the offseason... Losing three wins doesn't seem realistic. I, I think this team is a mid to low 40 wins team at, at the very worst. 
I'm taking the under. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> the Detroit Pistons at 38 wins, I think. Uh, I'm looking more at 43. Mm-hmm. 43 wins for the Detroit Pistons. You add Derrick Rose. Yep. Now you have to figure out what the heck you're going to do in that backcourt with Reggie Jackson and Derrick Rose. Because Rose should be starting. Realistically, though, with Reggie Jackson there, you got to kind of give and take. Are you going to rely on the point guard you've had for a couple of seasons now, or are you going to switch it up and go Derrick Rose? And then after that, you have to find a true shooting guard, I guess, to fill that need right there. Um, but Blake Griffin, nobody talks about this guy enough. Yes, they had to trade away Dylan's favorite player, Tobias Harris, in order to get Blake Griffin. But Blake is, I mean, he was a borderline MVP last year, 24, 8, and 5. The numbers don't lie. Of course, still have Andre Drummond who can play some defense and catch lobs and do a little bit of everything. But I don't see how this team got worse when they add Derrick Rose in. Hey, hey, hey. Iso Joe is also yeah, on the absolutely. team, all right? He can put up 10 points in any given night. You never know. But I think they got better, so I can't see how their record also gets worse. Gimmel, your thoughts? I mean, obviously I'm going to say over because I'm a Pistons fan and I like to be hopeful even though they let me down every year. <laughs> but... Hopeful. I do think I don't see how you could think that they actually got worse in any sort of way. We added, obviously, we we drafted Sekou Dumboya, which oh, yeah. in, which in a couple of years that could be a really quality player. I mean, we added Iso Joe, we added Markeith Morris, which is a very I think he'll be a very valuable bench piece. Even pieces like Tony Snell and Christian Wood, like I just don't understand because am obviously Derrick Rose. Like we got we basically traded. Ishmith for Derrick Rose. That's an upgrade. It's a That's win. an upgrade. It's a win. I mean, I just don't understand how we would get worse from a season last year where we didn't even play up to our full potential. I, I mean, I just don't get it. Yeah. But I'm going over. I think they'll win around 44 games I'm as a hopeful fan. <laughs> 44 I just wins. want to make the playoffs. But, yeah, I'm going over for the Pistons. So we're, we're all going over on the Pistons. You mentioned some really good names off that bench. I think Christian Wood is an underappreciated talent in the league. I think Markeith Morris, obviously his twin brother Marcus, played for the Pistons for a few years. Apparently he didn't like Detroit too much. He said that in an interview, which yeah. really surprised me because I really thought he, he fit the Detroit kind of mantra that they have in that city, like a tough, hardworking kind of guy. Um, but we want to jump in that Pistons talk now. Did they get better? Are they underrated? I think all three of us are going to agree in this sense. But what do you think they improved on the most in this offseason? What are they maybe still lacking? Uh, I feel like they just added a little bit more depth and consistency. Reggie Jackson, Gemmel can speak on this. I've heard many stories about Reggie Jackson from Dylan. I, I just, on. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan doesn't like him very much. I just feel like Derrick Rose adds a little bit more consistency, assuming he's actually healthy. Uh, Dumbia a few years away but I think he's a a piece that could be an awesome upgrade at wing Luke Kennard does he make the turn to become a legitimate option or is he just one of these guys that gets put in at the end of games Um, Blake Griffin I think has an even better year than last year Drummond we'll see what happens with him whether this is his last year in Detroit let alone if he gets traded midseason so I'll just let you keep going on that Dylan not even that. You also mentioned you mentioned the additions. I think as far as what they lost and what they still need, they definitely need some shooting. Luke Kennard, like, yeah. yeah, he can shoot the ball, but is he going to be consistent? That's the biggest question. Seku, that man can really take it to the rim, but can you really shoot a consistent jump shot? That remains to be seen. I don't like the idea of Blake Griffin hoisting up seven three-pointers a game. 
to get them some, you know, six points at the end of a game that they desperately need. I don't want those desperation shots for them. Reggie Jackson can shoot depending on what night, it, what day of the week it is, I guess yeah. you could say. I mean, that's really how he is. It's just inconsistent. And Derek Rose shot 37% from three last season, but is he going to have that same output this year? I mean, that remains to be seen, Like as it is with all of this. I mean, of course, we're just predicting, of course, what the NBA season is. It's not going to matter what we're saying right now when yeah. you know October 20th comes around and they actually start playing between the lines. But I think they still need some shooting. I think another player off their bench would definitely be appreciated. Gimmel, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I definitely do think that got better, but to say that they're underrated, I don't think I agree with. Just mm-hmm. because they haven't done anything to prove to me that they are underrated yet. I mean, I mean, the season obviously is like just getting on their way or preseason, but I guess we'll just have to see where the season starts, whether they're underrated to me or not. Personally, I don't think they are just because they haven't done anything right yet. But I do like who they added, like I said. But I, I guess I'm just going to have to wait and see. And I really hope this is a big year for Luke Kennard. That's, I feel like he has more influence than people are giving him credit for. Being one of our only, I would say, good shooters on the team at the moment. So, yeah. Sekou Dumboya was a really nice draft pick. And a lot of people think he was the steal of the draft in a lot of ways. Let's talk into some rookies real quick. We're going to make this a short segment. I'm just curious what you guys think. Who's your favorite rookie in this draft and why? And no, Zion Williamson. All right, that's fair. So I have two. I have two that I really want to hit on here. And one of these I did not mention earlier. I was from a team we talked about. So the first one, it's pretty easy. John Morant. I love that guy. I was big on him when he started getting notorious last college season. I think he's an absolute athletic freak. And I think he's going to turn around the Grizzlies, give a few years with Jaron Jackson. The successor to Mike Conley. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, the next one, we talked about the Pelicans, and uh, obviously you can't pick Zion. The next one, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually quite high on Jackson Hayes. Okay. I think he has a chance to be um, more, maybe a more consistent Hassan Whiteside type of player. Gets a lot of rebounds, blocks, plays defense, athletic freak. Uh, maybe more athletic than Hassan, but I feel like that's the best comp I can come up with at the moment. I feel like he could, I don't know. I feel like he has a chance to play really well next to Zion in the backcourt, the frontcourt rather. Gimble? Um, this may be kind of a surprise, but I really, really like Rui Hachimura really? in the summer league. Yeah, no kidding. He averaged a 19.3 points in the summer league, so he proved he can hang. Yeah. And I just feel like him and Bradley Beal and the Washington Wizards, he'll get be able to learn from them and develop. And uh, I, I just like how he plays, and I'm excited to see what he does for Washington this year, which has high hopes. It'll be interesting to see because that Wizards team is going to be really, really bad. Yeah. With, especially with the, John Wall's. I don't know when John, Wall, John Wall's coming back, let alone if he'll even be what he was. Yeah. Right. But that team is going to be rough. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I think for a rookie like Rui, I feel like he has really a lot to prove and to show Washington and the NBA what he can bring to the table, and I like how he played in the summer league. Now, for me, I'm a Cavs fan, um, so the obvious choice is Darius Garland. I do like that they stole Kevin Porter Jr. at 30, though. Mm-hmm. I think he could really be a nice scorer for them. I'm saying Darius Garland, though, because I actually was pretty high on him coming into the draft. Now, I was not happy when they did decide to draft him. I really wanted Cam Reddish. I thought that's what fit the team more, and what we needed was a long wing on the, you know, to shoot the ball and play some defense. But Darius Garland is an intriguing talent because he could be as good as Damian Lillard. I mean, the guy is 
can really shoot from anywhere, limitless range. He has an underrated handle. He even finishes fairly well. Doesn't finish well in traffic, but I think with the Cavaliers, with as bad as they're going to be, we could see realistically a 17 points, six assists, three rebound kind of season from Darius Garland. And if he can shoot it as efficiently as he did in college in his minimal appearances with Vanderbilt, I mean, he could be a really fun player to watch in this league and watch him grow. The backcourt with him and Colin Sexton is interesting. Do they move on from Sexton? They bring him off the bench. Do they bring Garland off the bench? I wouldn't do that. But I'm just saying they got some decisions to make in Cleveland. At least they have the piece there, though, in Darius Garland where it could definitely be intriguing and you can follow that storyline throughout the season. So I'm going Darius Garland as my rookie. So Rui Achimura, Darius Garland, Jackson Hayes, and John Morant. John Morant. All right. We'll keep an eye on those guys as their season progresses. Our final question for you guys is a question I asked to Tyler and Jacob on last week's podcast. Who do you like out of the West? Who do you like out of the East? Plain and simple. Don't even give an explanation for now. I just want to hear the name. So out of the West, the LA Clippers. Okay. Out of the East, Milwaukee Bucks. All right. He's going with the safe bets. A lot of people do yeah. like the Clippers. A lot of people, obviously, Milwaukee, if the, 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 the first seed last year and they didn't really change up their team drastically, they could still be that seed. Gimmel. Detroit um, Pistons out of the East? Uh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I am going to go on a limp here. I like the Lakers yeah. out of the West. Okay. But I do like uh, the Bucks out of the East. I feel like they're just too good, and I don't think anyone's going to be able to take them down at this point unless there's a move that's going to happen. We might need to also clarify. Are we talking regular season first year? Are we talking actually coming out and playing in the NBA Finals? For me, that was the finals prediction. So you want Clippers and you Clippers want Bucks, Bucks in the finals, and you like the Lakers and the Bucks. The Lakers and the Bucks. You guys yes. both like LA. All right, I'm going to take, and I, I think I might have mentioned a little bit on last week's podcast. I like Philly out of the Eastern okay. Conference. I'm taking the Sixers. I think Josh Richardson is a perfect, is a much better fit for them overall. Out of the Western Conference. I gotta believe it's one of those LA teams. Either one, pick and choose. I don't really care. I think they're gonna make it out. I think the Lakers will be a fourth seed potentially. I think there's gonna be some growing pains. Same with the Clippers; they could be a third or fourth seed. And then you have guys like the Nuggets who are together and you know are acquainted with each other really well. They could be one of those top seeds. But as far as talent, it's gonna be really, really freaking tough to get LeBron and Anthony Davis out in a seven-game series, similar with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George of the Clippers. That concludes episode two of the Logan the Lopos podcast. Guys, I really appreciate you coming on, of course. Uh, we all got work to do. We've got a school week coming up here starting tomorrow. We've had off since Friday since we're all chilling on our reading day. Apparently we get here on campus, but pleasure having you guys on. We're happy to bring you guys on throughout the season as well. We'll be back next Sunday for episode three of the Logan the Lopos podcast. Until then, definitely check out the hoodie cast on SoundCloud today. And for my buddies, Dylan Gimmel, Ryan Biller, this is Logan Duke saying so long. We'll see you next week for episode three of Logan in the Low Post. <laughs>